and welcome, everybody. Hello, hi. Welcome back. This is uh, episode two of We Watch Movies and Then Talk About Them. Is that what we're... Something like yeah. that. I don't know. We Watch Movies and Then Talk About Them, <laughs> volume two. See, we are legit. It wasn't just a one-time thing. We've done it twice now, so... It's real. Yeah. Absolutely real. Um, welcome, everybody. I am your host... Andrew Westensko, and I'm sick, so that's why I sound horribly nasally. So if you hear me cough into the distance, that's why that is. Um, joined here by Becca Westensko, also the wife, my wife, <laughs> and Sid, the single one, the single one who is also here. Yes. So welcome, guys. How's it going? Pretty good. Great. Yeah. Good. For some to each reason, other? I thought we were talking to the audience and they can't talk back. <laughs> well, no, I'm, well, we're talking at the audience, but I'm talking to you guys. Okay. So that's how that's going to go. It. Got that clears it. it up. Thank you. Um. So today we watched a movie and now we're going to talk about it as the name of the podcast implies. Yes. Yes. The movie we watched was Children of Men, uh, directed by Alfonso Cuaron who is just a great guy. Um, let's see what else he directed. Does anybody know? Um, the third Harry Potter Prisoner of Azkaban, which is my favorite. Oh, really? So, yeah. Hmm. yeah. I just watched that last week. What are you talking about? Week. That's your favorite. That's a good one. It's spooky, so that's why I like it. Yeah, but your favorite? Come on. I mean, okay, of course the last one's really good, but I like it because well, it's th- scary. The fourth one is where it gets real. That's true. I like but. the sixth one the best, I think. Uh, it, come on, Half Blood Prince. That's great. Mm. The scene where he kills Dumbledore. Spoilers. That's true, but okay, that movie's been out for <laughs> that's heavy. Fifteen years, and no spoilers. <laughs> you don't know that yet. Um, <laughs> You're never gonna watch Harry Potter. So it turns out, pretty small list of credits as a director. Um, he's the famed director of Untitled Casey Affleck slash Alfonso Cuarón project. I hear um, that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, Gravity, which was nominated for a bunch of stuff. Uh, Children of Men. Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Y tu mamá también, which I don't know what that is. Great Expectations, A Little Princess. Is that like the little princess? I don't know. I thought it was like the little princess. A young girl is relegated to servitude at a boarding school when her father goes missing and is presumed dead. (gasps) It is. Turns out he directed A Little Princess. Alright. I love that movie. Gotta give that a watch, I guess. (laughs) I guess so. (laughs) So that's um, Alfonso Cuaron's uh, movie history. And then he's got a bunch of random crap. He he did uh, some episodes of a TV series. But yeah. Um, We could also look at his second unit director credits probably pretty great um let's see children of men nominated for three oscars anybody want to take guesses at what they are oh i already looked so gosh darn (laughs) cheaters got some cheaters in the room um adapted screenplay cinematography and editing did not win any of them because i can't think of why kind of a shame We'll talk about that when we get on. Uh, This movie came out in 2006, so spoilers abound. We're not going to worry about spoiling it if you haven't seen it. Maybe pause this. I would say go watch it, right? Does everybody recommend it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Pause this. Go watch it. Come back here. Um, We got a lot to talk about because it's a a great movie. Um, We'll get some initial reactions. Again, so many spoilers, guys, and then we'll we'll get into it. So um, who wants to go first? I'll go first. (laughs) Go for it. Okay. Since you're both staring at me. (laughs) I'm not going to go first. I'll tell you that much. Man, where to begin with Children of Men? I don't even know, really. But I think overall, I don't think I could pick out one moment or one scene that I liked. But overall, I'm probably going to steal what you like, Andrew. I would say the cinematography did a great job of telling the story. Just the way that the scenes, like drug out and it was really really intense but every calm moment that you got was like such a good payoff and was like such a relief to like reach a calm moment and feel like 
okay, I can take a breath for a second and then the ride keeps going and going and it's so good. So I think I would say initially my favorite part of the movie was just that the cinematography told the story, helped tell the story so well and really um, like brought me into that world and made me feel like I was there. That's my hot take. All right, Sid, hot takes. Go. Um, okay, great movie. I saw it a few years ago on TV, but I like <coughs> just skipped ahead and because I didn't think it, I thought it was a creepy movie when I first saw it. Um, but I'm really glad I actually sat down and watched it. Um, yeah, I gotta agree. The cinematography is great. Um, I really liked how um, the whole ambiance was really creepy and, um, you know, really felt dystopian, but it wasn't so disorienting that you couldn't latch on to the movie and the plot and um it was easy to follow um but yeah cinematography was great acting was great um yeah i thought it was all around really good really good all right um so i'm not i'm not gonna be the dissenting voice here um i love this movie i loved it the first time I saw it and every other time that I've seen it since. Um, I think that it's a just a gosh darn tragedy that it wasn't nominated for Best Picture. I'll say that because um, I, I, I think that this movie probably belongs in just like a, a certain class of film that I think that not a lot of movies have touched. And I think that for a lot of reasons, for the reasons that you guys said, I think the cinematography, I think the acting, the writing, um, the sound design really stood out to me, especially a lot of the like war sounds with the gunshots and the explosions and all of that. You really felt them. Um, so yeah, I think that uh, for me, just everything comes together so well and it's it's just fantastic looking at the oscars for that year uh, the nominees were the departed babel or babel i don't know letters from iwo jima little miss sunshine and the queen now out of those i honestly have only seen the departed i haven't seen any of those sadly I saw Little Miss Sunshine on TV a few years ago. Does that have Steve Carell in it? Yeah, I have it on my computer, ready for me at home. So I'm real pumped. Apparently, it's a better movie than this. So apparently, he should uh, be looking forward to it. But again, I think it's a tragedy that this wasn't nominated. I I think that this stands with like, I mean, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but like There Will Be Blood, I think is up there. I think the Blade Runner 2049 is up there. Twenty forty nine is up there for you for compared to every movie. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying that this is in the same class as Blade Runner twenty forty nine. It's a pretty big deal coming from Andrew. I know. For those of you who missed it last time when I said it, Blade Runner twenty forty nine is probably like the best movie of the last five years or so. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't know. I, I that's my hot take on it. But I'd have to look through every movie released in the last five years to actually be able to back that up. Um, but yeah, so that's, uh, I mean, even in the categories that it, it was nominated for, like, I mean, I think, has everybody seen Pan's Labyrinth? No. Nope. No, okay. <laughs> Great movie. We should watch it sometime. But, like, the cinematography, like, this movie lost cinematography to Pan's Labyrinth, which again, it's a gorgeous movie. It's great. But, come on, guys. Like, you got Emmanuel Lubezki on the lens here. How do you, that dude's just a master. Um, so those are our hot takes, right? So let's dig in. I've got some notes that I want to run through. I know Sid's got some great trivia for us yep. uh, to talk about. Rebecca, did you have, I saw you taking notes, right? Do you have some yep, notes? Yep, I've got some notes. All right. So I, I got I got a handful of things that I want to run through um, and talk about. Specifically, uh, first off, I want to talk a little bit about the, the world building as well as how this movie, uh, I guess, introduces you to and lets you get to know the characters as they go, right? And this film freaking kills characters with, like, the same abandon as Game of Thrones, right? <laughs> like, how many times are you introduced to somebody just to, like, they're just dead, right? 
So like Julian, I mean, she's on screen. What is she? She maybe gets like 15 minutes of screen time, mm-hmm. right? And then all of a sudden just boom, shot in the neck. Mm-hmm. Like, come on. And they make it out to seem like this love story almost. And you're going to see this couple get back together maybe, but nope, she dies. No. So I, uh, I, I wrote down some notes specifically about Theo's character and like the way that they they do some very very subtle things uh to both introduce us to the world as well as to theo's character specifically so um and again just anytime you guys want to jump in here but the the things that i wrote down specifically like from the beginning is one he's what like 50 feet from an exploding coffee shop and he just like goes to work like, I think that that, I guess, first off, introduces him as just this really broken character. That he's really, he's just kind of ambivalent towards this terrorist attack, right? He sees all these people get murdered. And, like, the only thing that he really talks about was, for the rest of it is, like, the ringing in his ears. He keeps mentioning that his ears are ringing because of the explosion. Like, that's the only thing that he can find to complain about it. And so I think that that, again, just introduces us to him as just this really broken character as well as how everybody's all broken up about baby diego's death but he just doesn't really care even when he's talking to michael kane he's like oh he was a wanker you know what i mean like um after he gets picked up by the fishes and they drop him off and the the guy with dreads if you notice he throws some coins on the ground and he's like here you go bus fare and he goes and he picks up the coins because he actually is super poor I liked that. Um, and then a little bit more uh, depressing. He has a line when he's talking to Michael Caine. And I'm curious your guys' thoughts on this. Um, but he, he has a line where uh, him and Michael Caine are talking about how the world is kind of, I guess, descended into garbage because of, you know, nobody being able to have kids. Right. So nobody's able to have kids. The world is descended into garbage and um theo says something or what is it michael kane i think says something along the lines of like even though there's this kid that's going to be born it's too late because the world is already gone to crap and theo says uh the world had already gone to crap before this even happened like it was it was too late before infertility even set in because the world had already gone to crap and that's kind of this this theme that you see throughout the movie where basically it's this world dealing with no children, right? And you see this world as a result of there being no children in the world. And I was thinking about it, and I think that he says that because his kid had already died. He was already living in a world with no children, essentially, yeah. because his kid had died. Mm-hmm. And so to him, the world had already gone to crap before any of this happened because he was already living in this world without children we see it kind of on a micro as well as on a macro scale as far as like what a world losing children looks like Hmm. i definitely did not think that during the movie i didn't either but i think that's a really good point and does help develop his character a lot more because the more we learn in the movie that his son did die before any of the other infertility problems were there um, but that is an interesting thought. I like that. Yeah, I th- I didn't think about that either. Um, but yeah, as we learn in the movie, um, his son died with a flu epidemic. And, um, you know, that could be another thing that he's talking about that, you know, diseases are just sweeping through ev- everything and taking everyone. And that could be another thing that uh, Theo's character is alluding to. Um, but yeah, that makes a lot of sense why his character would say something like that now. And then you see, uh, sorry, you see uh, throughout the film, again, just different little details of of him. Uh, one is the face when uh, Key shows him that she's pregnant. And you see, you get kind of that swelling kind of like opera music. And you see his face like, I don't even know how to describe it. Just like, like he's just completely blown away and baffled by what he's seeing when he, when he sees that she's pregnant, like when he gets it in that moment. And in a lot of movies, I think that they would have taken that as like a hard left turn for his character, but he really 
doesn't change all that much i think i think that his the only thing that really changes is is his focus right his focus stops being get this money and it's get this girl to safety but like he doesn't turn into an action hero you know what i mean like they talk about how he was a an activist but no longer is but if you if you look at it from that moment forward he just spends his whole time running and like people just die in his wake it's like and he doesn't do anything there's even a moment where when he finally reaches the building so after uh the fish guy comes and takes key and they run through the whole battlefield throughout the end which we'll talk about and then you get up to the second floor and that guy is talking about like i forgot how pretty kids were and blah 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 like when he sneaks in there to get key i think in a lot of movies they would have had him be some grand thing where he sneaks up on the guy and maybe there's a fight scene or maybe he kills him or whatever but he just like bypasses all of that and just grabs her and runs like he just keeps running and running and running and running and running so he's not an action hero and like he's not some ex-secret agent who gets thrust into it like gets brought out of retirement or something like that he's just a dude who like happens to get really really lucky mm-hmm. and the thing that I really like about that is that I feel like it involves the audience a little bit more because he doesn't have this super like unrealistic character development. He's just a guy. And like even with the way that it's filmed with the cinematography and all of that, like it feels like we're him and like you really get to like be in his shoes and kind of experience it with him because he's just a normal guy. So I really appreciated that in the movie. Yeah, I feel like that. Um yeah, that's very true, because, I mean, you watch all these action movies, and you like to believe that you'd be, you know, one of those brave people who goes in and takes down the bad guy, but in reality, you, you know, we're all gonna just be screaming and running, and I know for sure I am, um, so yeah, that feels a lot more, um, relatable, and it's definitely more realistic to his character, it just wouldn't make sense if you were to have a complete change, and, you know, go on guns ablaze and save everyone, so... Yeah. And I think that I, I, I'm glad that you mentioned that, Becca, the the way that the cinematography helps us, because really in a lot of these scenes, um, you know, you'll have the camera will just follow him mm-hmm. and you'll see it flip around. And as he whips his head around, it'll whip around and show different angles of stuff. But it really helps with that immersion where you are just following him. And he's he really is. He he is the audience in a lot of ways. And. I mean, he does he does a lot, but we, we just we follow him and we see his perspective and, and, you know, he he is the audience in a lot of ways. And I think that a lot of movies, they'll have kind of that hallmark scene, right, where they'll be like, oh, did you see the long take in whatever movie? I think about like the first Kingsman, for example. Have you seen Sid? Have you seen the first Kingsman? Um, I can't even think of what that movie is. You need to is watch that, that. Is that the the spy one as the spy yeah. one yes okay yes I yeah so there's that scene in the church mm-hmm. where uh oh, what is the actor's name colin for Farrell. no colin firth colin firth i always got those two mixed up colin firth yeah colin firth just goes freaking ham <laughs> and murders like 120 people <laughs> in the course of like three minutes and it's this incredible long take where the camera's whipping around and doing and Freebird is playing and it's 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 an incredible scene if you haven't seen kingsman go watch it but um yeah i think a lot of movies treat long takes like that mm-hmm. where they're like okay we're gonna have this one long take and it's gonna be heavily rehearsed and it's gonna be nutso right but then this movie kind of lives on these long takes but it 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 fits them in so naturally and it doesn't make a big deal out of them they're not flashy but they're so immersive and you almost have to, I guess, pause and think like, oh, crap, is there been a cut? Mm-hmm. I had that multiple times. I'm like, wait, this is this is all one scene. And then I try and pay attention and then I get lost in the scene and I forget that it's still one, one long shot. So I want to uh, point out a few of the times that I noticed a long take. And I'm curious if you guys noticed all of them. So there's one that's in, uh, really well known and that's at the beginning um, when they get in the car so when, from the time that he so he gets in the car and he he takes a nap and he wakes up because he's or they wake him up because he's snoring so from the time that he wakes up to when 
the fish dude shoots the two cops and they drive away. It's all one take. So like the whole like spit in the ping pong ball and then the car rolls down the hill and they get attacked and she gets shot and bleeds out and they get all of that one take. I think we we all noticed that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That one's pretty well known, I think. And we actually talked about it before we watched it. Yeah. So um, others that stood out to me, the scene of uh, Bazooka, the scene of Bazooka <laughs> being born. Uh, when they get up to the room and he's kind of running around frantically and pushing and she's pushing and all that crap. So that, that whole thing is one take. Um, one that really stood out to me is when uh, he takes uh, Miriam and Key back to Jasper's house and he goes to fill up his whiskey bottle and Miriam and Jasper are talking about faith and chance and the the focus of the of the scene is actually on Theo, but you hear them talking in the background and just see his face reacting to what they're talking about. So that whole thing, that whole conversation and him filling up his whiskey bottle and all of that, one take. Incredible. And again shows just from his perspective, like the whole movie is filmed from his perspective. Exactly. Even though they're having this conversation that really outlines a lot of the themes of the movie, we're seeing it from his perspective, mm-hmm. which I think was an interesting choice. Um what else? There's the one where after, so from the time that they, at the, at the very end, from the time that they come out of the building with uh, Marika and they get captured by the fishes and they steal key and then everything kind of goes haywire, like from all of that until they reach the second floor and he starts talking about how pretty babies are, then there's a cut. That entire thing, that's like 10 minutes of just one take but one thing that i noticed and i love this is when he is in the bus somebody gets shot and there's blood on the lens and it stays there for like five minutes it's i don't know it's just a it's just crazy just how how well they do that so i was looking at the trivia for this um and it says the three um pretty sure these are the three longest shots um when key's giving birth which is 199 seconds um the ambush um in the in the forest which is 247 seconds and the street battle which is 454 seconds can we do some wow. quick math people yeah, how many can we get yeah. so key giving birth is uh, one and a half minutes so one more time key giving birth is how many 199 199 divided by 60 that is three minutes and 20 seconds roughly Jeez, man the Um, ambush is 247 247 is just over four minutes and the running through the battle 454 that's seven and a half minutes in a single take and there's so much going on like how did this not win cinematography and yeah again with that scene like it's focused on him he's always like right in front in the camera but you can always see the background and there's always just like crazy things going on and when like all of a sudden the member the fish members like all run up and like attack him and it's just like going crazy and i don't know it's just amazing that he's just like always right there but there's just so much happening for seven and a half minutes mm-hmm. seven insane and a half minutes. yeah so another piece of trivia is talking about that exact scene um it took them 14 days just to prepare the shot um Jeez. and every time they had to redo the shot or there were any mistakes it took five hours to to get it all ready again that's actually pretty efficient with how much happens in that scene yeah. five hours but still bad. that's crazy um it took them about two days um, and the shot um, that we were just talking about, when the blood gets on the lens, um, director sh- uh, he shouted "cut" because he thought it was a mistake, and luckily you couldn't hear him. And they actually ended up keeping that in the film, which is incredible. It's so good. Um, yeah. Oh, it's just so crazy. Just how turn good it over it was. to Emmanuel Lubezki and let him do his thing. <laughs> it's fine. They gave it. They gave it to him for Birdman. So. Okay. <laughs> Which this seems like almost a warm-up round for Birdman, if we're being honest, <laughs> as far as long takes go. But we'll talk about Birdman another day. I love Birdman. <laughs> when we watch it sometime. <laughs> if I can ever convince Becca to watch Birdman. Have you never seen it? Nope. Yeah, I saw it a few years ago before I started to appreciate movies, and I'm sorry, I didn't really like it. Well, you need to rewatch but it. I, okay, yeah, I probably should rewatch it. 
right, we'll watch it next week. Birdman, yeah, also right. one of the best movies of the last several years. Did that win Best Picture? It did win Best okay, Picture. That's what I thought. It did. Is that on board with uh, Blade Runner 2049? It might be. You just think it's such a different movie mm-hmm. than like these ones that I'm talking about. So like I, I take like this one and Blade Runner and There Will Be Blood and like, um, you know, No Country for Old Men, uh, Tree of Life. Like all of these are these kind of like very serious dramas. And Birdman is just like Birdman's got some serious themes, but it's freaking hilarious. It's just <laughs> so funny. And it's, yeah, I don't know. It's just a, it's a pleasure to watch. Well, I guess we'll have to watch it. I'll have to give it another chance. <laughs> Again, just for the just for the craft of it. To uh, for those of you, I'm not trying to be sneaky. For those of you who don't know, the gimmick of Birdman is that it's it's shot as if there are zero cuts, so it's one continuous shot for the entire movie, and the camera follows people through hallways and out into the street and all this stuff. Um, in reality, I think there's like seven or eight cuts. But still, it's like a two-hour movie with seven or eight cuts. It's ridiculous. And they hide them really well. It's like they'll pan over a brick wall or something like that, and you can't tell. So, good job. Um, Also shot by the same guy who shot this. Also, this dude shot The Tree of Life, which is my favorite movie of all time. Yeah. So, um, out of curiosity, does anybody know? I don't know why you would. What else he shot? You're the man Um. to know that. I know. He's just a freaking champ. Do we have... Are you getting us trivia? Um, I'm looking at the cinematographer. Oh, okay. Well, while you guys are looking that up, there was one other thing that I wanted to mention while you were talking about all the long scenes and the perspective and everything. Um, One other thing I think is really interesting about it being filmed from Theo's perspective is that, like, there's no not really any good guys or bad guys like sure Theo's I guess a good guy and like um Key and her daughter are good guys but like the government is bad and the like rebels are bad like I feel like normally in like a movie like that the rebels are usually the ones that are like the good guys and that you follow and are trying to make a difference and overthrow the government or whatever but in this one like Theo is just a guy. He didn't want to be involved in either one. Like, it wasn't political for him at all. And it showed that in the film. Like, I wasn't attached to any side except Theo and the baby, which is what we were meant to feel. <laughs> which I think that that's, a, that's an interesting point because even though Theo is pretty apolitical, this movie is extremely political. Yeah. Um, especially, and I think that it, it probably... Um, resonates a lot more today than it does or than maybe it even did back in 2006 Um, especially with all of the like crazy nationalism and all the propaganda about like there's that one commercial that they keep showing throughout the movie that just like makes me a little sick to my stomach when they're like he's my barber he's my Mm -hmm. dentist he's my gardener they are all illegal immigrants and it's a crime and I was like geez man like okay so you humanize them and then like tear them down like what kind of propaganda is that not very good job guys but um and then you see they've got the you know the cages of people just Mm -hmm. in the street everywhere uh you see the refugee camp like it's 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 a very 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 political movie but um theo is like you said decidedly apolitical he doesn't really take a side he's just like hasn't been a baby born in 18 years and now we got a baby like Mm -hmm. we should probably figure out what's going on here and i think that that's maybe one of the biggest political messages of the movie is that um you know a lot of times any political movement will take any event good or bad or whatever and turn it into a political football right they'll try Mm -hmm. and spin it to uh support their side so even like the fishes are like oh, we're going to use this baby to start the uprising and we're going to throw out the government rather than just be like, maybe we should figure out why this girl can have babies. Yeah. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So I think that that's, that's an interesting message of the movie to be like, you know, even extreme events don't need to be spun. Like they can just be good things happening or bad things, I guess. But Well, and also most people are just like there, you know, like 
I feel like he represents a lot of people. Like, most people aren't extreme, and he's just a person and just does what he does, and we follow it. And I think that's a really interesting way to watch a movie, to not really have a side to pick. Yeah. Um, jumping back, things that Emmanuel Lubezki has shot. He really is Terrence Malick's boy. Mm-hmm. He shot Song to Song. He shot Knight of Cups. He shot To the Wonder. He shot The Tree of Life. He shot The New World. So basically they teamed up in early 2000s. I think one thing that's really important to note is uh, he shot The Cat in the Hat. He did shoot The Cat in the Hat. Oh. So yes, um, I feel like that's his best work. Probably. <laughs> but he also shot The Revenant. He shot Birdman, Gravity. Um, Burn After Reading, which is a great movie. That's pretty good. Um, Series of Unfortunate Events, The Cat in the Hat. (laughs) Ali, (laughs) he shot Meet Joe Black, um, and he shot A Little Princess. He shot the movie A Little Princess. He didn't shoot A Little Princess. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta clarify. We can only hope not. (laughs) Just to be 100% clear. (laughs) So he's the dude. He's a great guy. Um, let's see. What else did we have here? What else did I write down? Oh, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Michael Caine. And mostly just because dude freaking killed it. In yeah, this. He's great in Every scene. I really, I, I didn't know I needed to hear him say amigo in his beautiful accent. <laughs> I really needed that today, I guess. Strawberry cough. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at the trivia, and I I gotta say, this is probably my favorite piece of trivia out of every piece I've ever read for any movie. The first time in his long career that Sir Michael Caine portrayed a character who not only farted, but also smoked cannabis. I think that is truly incredible. This is the first time they got Michael Caine to fart on camera. <laughs> Good job, guys. Holy <laughs> Seriously, the pull my finger thing. Ridiculous. Like, dude went out like a champ. Seriously. Um, but no, I do want to, um, I think that his character is actually surprisingly well-rounded for how little screen time he gets. And I'm not going to lie, I got a little choked up because when uh, when they leave from from his house with Key and with Miriam, like you can, you can tell, like he knows he's not going to make it, right? Mm-hmm. He's like, well, I've talked myself out of worse. That was my Michael Caine impression. But, um, <laughs> he says that he's talked himself out of worse and everything, but then he immediately goes inside and gives his wife the quietus, which is the government-issued suicide pills. And if you guys noticed, um, I think it was a commercial or a ticker or something. It's oh, it's when it's when uh, Theo wakes up in his apartment and the TV is like doing oh, his yeah. alarm or whatever, and there's a there's a ticker along the bottom advertising the quietus and it says um, that if you use it, the government will give your family 2000 pounds. Wow. So like basically the government is advocating for people to commit suicide because mm-hmm. they don't have the resources to, Jeez. I guess, have people. Um, but there, he like, you like see his character for the first time kind of break because he's always joking and laughing and, whatever even when they're having their big philosophical discussion about faith and chance he's all jokey and everything but then when he's at that moment he's just like i love you and like kisses his fingers and like it it, the scene hovers for like an uncomfortably long moment Mm -hmm. and i'm like are they gonna show him like kill his wife and then it cuts Mm -hmm. i was like oh my good heavens and then the scene where where he actually dies he, he walks up and when he's he's trying to be all there's there's biscuits and tea on the on the side if you want some and then uh and he walks up to what is that guy's name i keep I, the main the main uh, fish what is his name luke luke yeah, yeah. so he walks up to luke he, pull my, my finger, finger. <laughs> and then luke freaking shoots his finger off i was like all right crazy this is what we're doing and but then he, he keeps saying it he says he keeps saying, pull my finger. Yeah, he really wants is, him to pull his oh, finger. That's so good. Um, but and it, it's cutting back and forth between... Or no, it, it shows it all from Theo's point of view. Sorry. Mm-hmm. And every time that that gunshot goes off and the way that it echoes in the forest and like mm-hmm. Theo's face and everything and he just can't look away. Like, holy crap. Mm-hmm. 
such good acting. Yeah, nobody was nominated for acting in this movie. Like it's crazy. Academy, you really, you really messed up. We all like The Departed. The Departed is fine. It's a great movie. <laughs> this is a better movie than The Departed. <laughs> I think that's one thing that um, is good about recent years with the nominations is they're adding more. You know, uh, for the past, you know, like ten years ago, it was only five movies. I think now that it's good that they're adding. You know, last year they had nine, and it's. I mean, of course, it decreases their chances of winning, but I think it's it's really helping these movies get the recognition that they, de- they deserve. Oh, for sure. Can yeah. you imagine, like, Call Me By Your Name being nominated I ten years ago? <laughs> oh, no. Man, I love that movie. <laughs> it's a good movie. Great movie. Also, I just saw this. The Prestige was nominated for cinematography this year. And the cinematography in The Prestige is way better than the cinematography in Pan's Labyrinth. Mm-hmm. So even that should have won over that. Mm. But They're probably, I mean... The production value of any Guillermo del Toro movie is so good that it, I don't know. I love the dude. I do. And that's a good movie, but. I don't know. <laughs> well, it's not something we can do about it now. Let's start a petition. Retroactive <laughs> petition to get uh, Children of Men nominated to win Best Cinematography. I would like <laughs> the Academy to take Martin Scorsese's oscar and give it to <laughs> alfonso Cuaron. he that doesn't need it anymore he's got enough right scorsese yeah no he's only got one really yeah that's what i'm saying this was a freaking right. uh well. let me see yeah this everybody knows that the one he won for the departed was just i mean it's it was it was it was like leo's oscar mm. it wasn't his best work it was good mm-hmm. it was great even but not his best work uh-huh like just giving it to him because he needs one yeah <laughs> yeah give it to All him right. for give it to him for gangs in new york i don't care that's a great movie that was really good yeah um well that's annoying yeah right and the fact that silence which none of you have seen i don't think no right? no nope. silence came out in 2016 was only nominated for cinematography give that man best picture for that that was the best movie that came out that year i'll say that right now <laughs> um yeah, let's see if I had anything else, and then we'll see if you guys had anything else. Oh, a um, couple of things. So one is at the end, so there's that scene at the end where he is uh, kind of walking with Key down, and you see, like, the wave go through the fighting as people see the baby, right? Mm-hmm. So first the people on the top floor stop shooting, and he gets down, and the soldiers see it, and they stop shooting. And you get this idea, and you're like, oh, maybe Luke was right. Like, maybe this baby is going to be, like, what what saves this world, right? Maybe people will see this, and things will change. And I start running through all these situations. I'm like, well, the military's going to take the baby. The government's going to take the baby. How are they going to get to the boat? How are they going to do any of this? And then as he's walking away, somebody fires a gosh darn rocket out of the building, and everything just starts back up again. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well... It's good for a second. Guess Luke was wrong. And I'm I just think that says that that's a really interesting statement. Mm-hmm. That like people stop fighting for a minute, but then like immediately back to it. And I think that that is again, this movie is extremely political. I think that that's a comment on kind of the general public's short memory. Mm-hmm. That you know, that we have these tragedies or crazy things that will happen and we're really upset about them for like two weeks and then somebody fires a rocket you know what i mean Mm -hmm. i don't know that scene stuck with me see it's funny i had the same reaction but i wasn't thinking oh maybe luke's right i was thinking oh julian was right this baby's gonna be bring peace because they talked about how julian was like we want this to be peaceful this is a baby to bring peace like julian wasn't there to use the baby as a face for the uprising she wanted something different. And so I was thinking, oh, this baby's bringing peace already. But then you're right. Like, as soon as the baby's out of sight, out of mind, like, they're back to war. Which is really an emotional, like, scene to watch. Because they weren't even past all of the soldiers yet. They weren't even past all the tanks. And all of a sudden, they're thinking, like, oh, we're making it. We're doing it. And then... She starts blowing up again. More war. 
This scene actually kind of stressed me out. I mean, I thought it was a great scene. But yeah, when they got outside and all the um, the armies just staring at them, I was scared, you know, they were just going to grab the baby. And I was getting some, you know, mother vibes. Um, which, <laughs> I mean, like, I know that this scene turned out how it did, but I was still feeling, you know, uneasy watching it. Um, but yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, how it felt like it was a resolution. And then, you know, everyone remembered that they're supposed to be killing everyone else and went right back to business so yeah craziness there was also the scene where um they're on the bus going into the camp Mm. and uh you know miriam sacrifices herself which bummer because i liked her Mm -hmm. um but then theo jumps over and he's like no it's pissed it's pissed you see and the guard is like, you people make me sick. And it's like, like, has there ever been a more British dude than Clive Owen? Like, very <laughs> clearly not, like, a refugee. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, like, I guess that's the point is that, like, this soldier, like, just because he was grouped in with these people, the soldier's like, oh, you people make me sick. Like, again, if we're talking about political messages in the movie, I think that, like, people are people is one of the biggest ones as far as, mm-hmm. like, fighting for the rights of immigrants and all that kind of stuff. But the fact that, you know, Clive Owen, again, the most British person that has ever existed, is instantly just tossed in with this group because he's on the wrong side of a fence, essentially. Mm-hmm. Like, and the, the soldiers don't even take, I guess, don't even take the time to think about these people as humans. And I thought that was a really interesting choice that, like, the soldier would, wasn't even like, wait, are you like, are you in the right place? Or are you like, mm-hmm. he's just like, no, you people are disgusting. Well, yeah. And even the guard that helps them get into the refugee camp and then turns around and is like, I saw you on the news. Like, I want money. Good old Sid. You know, like, okay, I have to say something real fast. I've noticed that anytime there is a character in a movie named Sid, it is some Weasley gross man. <laughs> and I feel very misrepresented. There's Sid from Toy Story, Sid from this movie, Sid from uh, L.A. Confidential. I feel greatly disrespected. There's a lot of good Sids out there, guys. (laughs) Proof right here. Yes. You're listening to her. I only know one, but I don't know about a lot. (laughs) Is it me? Yeah. Okay, good. All right, sorry. Go on, Becca. Um, No, I was just going to say that, like, the guard is another example of that, that, like, he was doing a favor for a friend and was really nice to them at first and then as soon as he saw that like i don't know he could get gain from them or that they were like they became worthless in his eyes and just like another way to get money or to do his job and and like even after he saw the baby yeah like that didn't change anything he was just thinking about like their price tag and yeah, just, like, another example of just people and how, like, greedy and gross people can be when they're the wrong kind of Sid. <laughs> be the good kind of Sid. <laughs> be like me. Hashtag be a good Sid. <laughs> it's going to go viral. Get it S-Y-D, trending. S-Y-D, not S-I-D. Yeah, if it's spelled S-I-D, you know that's trouble. <laughs> I did. No, I did check the credits, and it, it's, it's, S-I-D. it's S-Y-D. Oh, it's S-Y? No. It is. Oh, no. It is. If you look in the, uh, if you look in the cast list. The one time they spell it right, they give it to the worst. I'm going to double check right now, but I'm like 99% so sure sad. that it's SYD. I will, I will be mad. Let's see. Come on. Sid, SYD. No. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so... Sorry, Sid. Your name is ruined. Even when I wrote it down, I uh, I wrote S I D. Because that's you just expect it. To my be phone. My phone. When it's a man. It's usually S I D. I feel like. Yeah. My phone tried to autocorrect and put S Y D or S I D. Sorry. No, I I put S I D. It tried to autocorrect to S Y D, and I was like, Nah, he's not that kind it of should, Sid. It should be S Y D. Turns out that he saying. was. Yikes. Gosh, also, when uh, Theo freaking demolishes. Oh. Sid's jaw. That was like how that was the most brutal part of the movie for me. It really was. I don't like, know why, but it was just. Ugh. It made me cringe a little bit. Yeah. 
I mean, like, like, we that's... were all quiet throughout the movie, and then that yeah. part, we all just, like, Ugh. it's an audible, Ugh. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> it was a little gross. It was. I don't know. You just don't mess with the face. It just grosses me out. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, Sid's face is splattered on a wall. Yeah. Disgusting. Um, one last thing that I wrote down that I thought was... I think this is the last thing. Last thing I wrote down that I thought was interesting. I don't know if you guys noticed this, but was like the uh, the like biblical parallel between like Key and Mary, and that they're forced out of their native place. She's got a miracle baby on the way. They continually get denied at different places or can't have the baby somewhere, and that eventually she has to give birth in a quote manger in mm-hmm. just this disgusting you know dirty mattress place mm-hmm. and then i don't know i thought i thought that was interesting and an interesting way to do it and there's even the part where they're at jasper's house and he's like so who's the father and she's like i'm a virgin <laughs> and then she just laughs at him and she's like that, wouldn't that be wicked <laughs> so i thought that was an interesting thing yeah, I didn't pick up on that at all. I didn't but either. It seems pretty obvious that. now. Yeah. But. Interesting. One last thing that I had made note of. Um, I just thought it was so interesting that, like, Key had no idea how to be a mother. Like, she said multiple times, like, I've never seen a pregnant woman. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm doing. And there's a scene right at the end where they're in the boat and the baby's crying. And Theo says, like pick him up or pick her up put her on your shoulder and pat her back and is like teaching her how to raise this child and he's like mimicking it as well and it's just like such a like tender moment because he's like you can tell that he's remembering his own son and then like teaching her how to parent because she has no idea how to do it and she's never seen it happen and I just thought that was like a really sweet way for um, Theo to like give a little bit more of himself and his son at right at the end and then she names the baby dylan <laughs> come it's on it's a girl's name too <laughs> good <laughs> heavens oh my goodness so good freaking i heard i heard sid crying a little bit over there you know okay i will say that i teared up um at the part when they're in the building and then they turn around and you see everyone like gathering mm-hmm. and teared up a little bit there i heard some sniffling i honestly don't remember i'm crying all the time so it's hard to distinguish when I'm not crying. So it's <laughs> it's very possible I was crying then. I was tearing up for <laughs> sure. No, yeah, I think it's, it's so sweet. I think it's really interesting that um, you know, Key didn't know anything about pregnancy or having a baby and um when she was going into labor and she's like on the bus, I was kind of thinking I was like, "Oh, how does no one notice that she's in labor?" But then you think about they haven't seen a pregnant woman in 20 years. So it's uh, it just adds to the point of how removed they are from babies and, you know, that new hope that there could be. So I thought that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. One, one for real, one last thing. And this is just going back to kind of the world building, the details of it. When it hit me, I was like, oh, my heavens, this is great. Because if you guys remember, so um, on the on the Blu-ray cover, it shows... It's Theo's face through, like, that kind of teardrop-shaped hole in the glass at the elementary school. Do you guys remember? There's that scene where Theo and Miriam are inside, and you can see Key on the swing set through a hole in the window. Uh-huh. So I was, like, I was thinking about it. I was, like, why would they pick that? Like, and the, the, like, there's never a shot of his face through that. I was, like, why would they pick that? And I was, like, I was, like, it's an elementary school. Mm-hmm. Like, nobody's been born in 18 years. They don't Shut need down. elementary schools anymore. Mm-hmm. I was like, uh, that just to me was a really cool detail of world building that they didn't make a big deal out of it. But like, they just didn't need elementary schools anymore mm-hmm. because there were no kids. So the elementary school was all decrepit and whatnot. I mean, not that the rest of the world was in a lot better uh, shape, but. And if you notice, Key, when they leave the elementary school, Key has little box and she's got a teddy bear mm-hmm. and like a couple other toys that she took from the elementary school you are lying to me right now no nope. yeah are you serious <laughs> yeah i didn't notice that. Is that she, what's in that's what's in her basket though? yeah her yeah. basket that good she, she didn't have it for very long though uh-uh. so. but it was a sweet moment yeah so that's what i'm saying this movie is full of little details that they don't bring a lot of attention to 
Well, yeah. But they even, add to it. Like, the entire, like, backstory of Theo and Jasper is just in, like, news articles and pictures yeah. on the wall. Mm-hmm. Like, so much of the backstories of many of the characters and, like, examples of how the world got to where it was is just from, like, you just have to read. <laughs> and like look in the background of the scenes and you learn about the world and the characters and even when uh when the fishes first cap uh kidnap theo and they've got all the light shining on the uh the news articles it's mm-hmm. the same thing that yeah. you learn you learn a lot about the fishes from that which again details of world building middle of the freaking day in london somebody just pops out puts a gun <laughs> to his head and says get in the van and there's people around yeah. And they said that, that that's the way that they had to do it. They couldn't just walk up and talk to him. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, like, nobody cares that this dude just got a gun put to his head <laughs> and kidnapped in the middle of the day. Well, also, another, like, foreshadowing element. Um, when they're on the bus in, like, going into the refugee camp, they pass a wall that says, like, the uprising. Mm-hmm. And, like, the next day is when, like, there's the uprising. I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. Like, they have a lot of foreshadowing and elements world building elements just like all over in the background of all the scenes just everything. such a brilliant movie <laughs> something i didn't notice when i was watching but as i was reading the trivia apparently in the background before he gets kidnapped you can see um patrick and some of the other fish um in the background watching him and that's like i would never have known that so they're you know trying to foreshadow him and the history with the fishes so I thought that was really interesting. Hmm. And even like uh, jumping into that, some of the minor characters, just all the characters are, I think, really well fleshed out. Mm-hmm. It's, there's the there's the fish with dreads. Mm-hmm. And like he just keeps coming back talking about his brother. Mm-hmm. Like even when they uh, when they um, find them in the refugee camp and he puts the gun to his head. He's like, he was 19. Like, mm-hmm. like all that's on his mind from that point is mm-hmm. that his brother died in his mind because of Theo. Mm-hmm. So, like, even that dude gets kind of a, a through line throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, just amazing. Mm-hmm. So good. Do we have any other fun trivia? Um, not that I can really think of. Is the background um, of your phone Call Me By Your Name? Yes, it is. All right. <laughs> I love that movie. Okay. All right. Um, one thing that I thought was really cool was um, one point when Key says that she wants to name her baby her baby Froley, um, and one of the trivia says there's no historical origin for this name, um, which I think is um, really representative of this is the first baby in 20 years. There's no, there's really no origin to it. It's the first of its kind. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. Um, oh, but then she wants to name it Bazooka. <laughs> Which because Frolly isn't a girl's name. Because Frolly isn't a girl's name. <laughs> but Bazooka is. Gonna, we're going to name our first daughter Bazooka. Are we? We are. I don't think so. I can't <laughs> wait. We'll, we'll see. Hey, Bazooka. <laughs> Baby Bazooka. Zuki, for short. There you go. Oh. Every birthday is uh, Bazooka gum themed. <laughs> I'm so excited. We decide that at birth. <laughs> Have fun at your 29th birthday party, Bazooka. It's going to be Bazooka Gum theme. <laughs> and then she's watching Dark Knight in 20 years. And the part where they say, is that a bazooka? She's like, oh my gosh. Is that where they got my name? That- <laughs> <laughs> nope. Children of men. <laughs> oh man, that's going to be so great. And then I'll name my baby Froley. There you go. Deal. That's right. And then they can get me. Froley. Oh, because Froley's a boy's name. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's going to be great. All right. Any other trivia? Not that I can think of. Trivia Corner is closing then. Yeah. All right. We appreciate it. We like having Trivia Corner over here. It's my favorite part of movies. (laughs) Um, We've saved you guys. You no longer have to go read the IMDb trivia about Children of Men because we gave you all the good stuff. That's true. Um, Wait, sorry. There is one more thing. All right. Okay. um, One thing that I thought was really cool is they were explaining how they shot um, the long shot in the forest um, and how they they had a rotating camera to be able to shoot the people in the car and then on the outside. And one thing I thought was really cool is they had um, set up the chairs in the car to move up and down so they won't be in the frame if they're looking outside or if they're looking into the car so they can keep them in and out of the shot, which I thought was really oh. cool. So. That's great. 
But yeah, crazy. now Trivia Corner is closed. Trivia Corner is closed. And with that, I think we close our discussion on Children of Men. Does anybody else have anything they want to say? Or have we pretty much... Just watch it. It's a great it's movie. Just go great. watch it. You can't really understand what we're saying unless you watch it, you yeah. know? Like, yeah. it's just real. It's yeah. good. So don't skip around like I did the first time I watched it. Yeah, don't watch any movie that way. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Except for really dumb movies. But don't watch dumb movies. Problem solved. Yeah. There you go. Right. I wish someone would tell me that two weeks ago. So, uh... What else have we been watching? Um, hmm. I watched uh, Moon the other day. Oh, is that the one with... Uh, Sam Rockwell? Yeah, don't say anything about it. I won't. I'll just say it was really good. That's like so high on my list of movies to watch. and I, I, I really keep liked it. It didn't go how I was expecting it, but it was really good. I'm very excited to watch that movie when yeah. I finally make time to. It's on Netflix. <laughs> oh, is it? Yeah. Right. And I, I love Sam Rockwell. So yeah, I highly recommend that one. He's very good in that one. Okay. No spoilers for uh, the, what, that movie's probably, what, eight years old? Yeah, it's pretty old. So, no, <laughs> we can only spoil movies from 2006. It's not very known, <laughs> though, so I didn't even know how it was going to go. I don't know anything about it other than that he's in it, and isn't it something with, like, AI on the moon? Yeah, kind or something of. Like that? He's, he's like, like um, he's a astronaut doing something on the moon, and he's completely secluded, and he's at the end of his rotation about to be relieved, and that's where it picks up. Cool. It's really good. There you go. So yeah. when you're done watching Children of Men, go watch Moon. All right. Um, have you watched anything else? Um, it's been, what, three weeks since we recorded last? Yeah. So yeah, it's been I a watched... While. One thing I really liked that I watched in the past few weeks was Seven. I've never seen that one. Ooh. What's in the box? <laughs> it we was started it, but I haven't finished it. it. Was What's, so in <laughs> What's in the box? What's in the box? Dude, when Kevin Spacey shows up. Oh, my. He's terrifying blows my mind i mean he's a terrible person oh, yeah. okay one thing that i thought was really <laughs> great in that movie is um when he's kind of explaining his motivation i mean okay i can't really spoil this because it's so old like even i knew i could plug your ears <laughs> even That's i knew fine. how it ended but he is explaining his motivation for choosing his victims and he's talking about one of them and he calls him a pederast which is a older man who has sexual relations with a younger man, which I think is very ironic for Kevin Spacey himself. So I thought that was a fun bit of trivia. Take that, <laughs> Kevin Spacey. But yeah, I thought it was a great movie. I love true crime, so I thought it was really good. I like uh, movies that have Gwyneth Paltrow's head in a box. Wish we could say <laughs> that. The, I mean, it's the only movie that I know of that has Gwyneth Paltrow's head in a box. Yeah, I can't think of any others. But Spoiler alert. That movie came out in like 1997. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you don't know how that ends, that's your own fault. What's in the box? <laughs> um, so we watched The Fighter with, the with Mark Wahlberg. Christian Bale and Mark Wahlberg. Um, holy heavens, that was a good movie. Very good. It was a very good movie. I'm, putting that on my I'm list kind of surprised. Year. Like, I don't really know what I was expecting. I was kind of just expecting like a fighter movie <laughs> about boxers. But people who it box was about not the so underwear. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Fighter. Maybe not. I guess we need to clarify that. Um anyway, I don't know what I was saying. But I thought it was really good and better than what I was expecting. Which I wasn't really expecting anything when we watched it, but better than expected. I didn't know that I needed to see Christian Bale play a crack addict. Yeah, right? He uh here's the thing. Um, for those of you who don't know, Fighter, it's about Mickey Ward. He was a boxer, a fighter, um, who his older brother, he was kind of living in his older brother's shadow for a while, then he comes to his own. Um, but um, as the movie started out, I was like, I was like, it was like secondhand awkwardness at the beginning for Mark Wahlberg. Because I was like, Christian Bale's just acting circles around this guy. Mm -hmm. I was like, what on earth? But then you get to know him and you realize that Mark Wahlberg's character is just a really subdued guy. And so that's my ending thought there is like props to Mark Wahlberg for even keeping up with Christian Bale in this movie, which he does. He does, really. At the beginning, like I said, I was a little bit disappointed. But then as you get to know his character a little bit, it makes a lot more sense. Mm -hmm. So props to Mark Wahlberg for keeping up with Christian Bale. Um, Have we watched anything else? Um, well, we went and saw Hereditary. That was going to be the one I was going to bring up last. Oh, okay. 
Um, we've seen a few others in the theaters, <laughs> like Jurassic World. Don't, Tag. don't go see Jurassic World. <laughs> or do, if you like dinosaurs. If you feel like just watching something that's dumb and fun. And has Chris Pratt. Watch like, anything with Chris Pratt. If you have Seriously. a movie pass, go see yeah. Jurassic World. <laughs> yes, that, don't go pay for it. Don't. Yeah. Uh, we saw Tag, which was funny. Yeah, I, I would pay to go see that movie, maybe. Really? I didn't love that one. I thought it was. I thought it was pretty funny. Like it was I, I didn't think it was as funny as it could have been. I don't but it was entertaining. To go see it. I guess I. We probably wouldn't have gone to see it if we didn't have movie pass. No. But buy a movie pass, guys. Get yeah. it. Buy it while you can. It's Seriously. not gonna last forever. Seriously. Yeah. We're gonna be telling our kids and about use movie it pass. and abuse it. Like. I say bazooka. You have no idea how it used <laughs> to be. No, I'm gonna call her bazooka. Oh, are you yeah. using the full name? Yep. I say bazooka. You don't know what we used to have with movie pass. <laughs> That's going to be the start of the new Children of Men is the end of Movie Pass. That's it. <laughs> and yes. Bazooka's going to save us all. Yes. She's the she's the savior she's of our new key. generation. Bazooka, we need you now more than ever. <laughs> is it the hero we need, not the hero we deserve? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we saw Hereditary. You can take it away. Holy. Hereditary. I don't want to say too much. I don't know if I even want to recommend to go watch it. Goodness. Like, I just, I don't even know if I'm glad that I watched it. But I haven't really stopped thinking about it since we watched it. Hereditary is so gosh darn incredible. I'm so excited to see it. But not for the reasons I was expecting it to be incredible. Yeah, it gets a little crazy at the end almost too crazy like for me it was almost too much and i wanted to like walk out but i am i don't actually i don't even know if i am glad i stayed through the whole thing but because i stayed through the whole thing i knew what happened and learning about things after the movie made it really interesting (laughs) the amount of detail that's put into that yes yes is, and the fact that it's his first feature film is just, I can't even, Sid told me not to say anything about it. She Don't. didn't say anything about Moon, so I won't say anything about Hereditary. It's just absolutely not what you think it's going to be, but. You, you, I don't think you've seen it. Have you seen The Witch? Yeah. Okay. Did you like The Witch? I didn't. But I, I mean, again, I watched that before I started really trying to appreciate movies. Okay. Sid, you should probably go see Hereditary. Oh, I'm going to. I don't to. know. I definitely wouldn't recommend it to everybody. I'm going to go see it with my mom. She's probably going to not like it. Let me it. know when probably you go not. see it. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll text you. I, I, I want to watch it again. You know it's filmed in Utah? I don't know if I could watch it again. Yeah, it's filmed in Park City. Yeah. So that was awesome. Oh, yeah. We were like... We realized that about three quarters the of the way through. We're like, wait, is that a Utah license plate? I saw the trailer and... I recognize the mountains in the background, and I felt really excited. Which kind of makes it a little bit more creepy. Like, like all oh. of this is happening in our state, and we yeah. didn't even know. <laughs> no, it's 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 super rough, though. It but is. But it's really good. If your mom doesn't want to go, or if your mom does want to go. She just, does, but she probably will end up liking it. Let me know when you go. Okay. Because I actually might want to go with. I'll probably try and make her go this week. If Kay. you really wanted to go again, I, I might go with you. <laughs> all right. You could probably convince me. But I might leave 20 minutes to the end. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that, I guess that's up to you. But oh, I I want to talk about it so bad, but Sid won't let me. Okay, well, how about Sid I, go see it and I we'll do go a podcast. We'll do a review I'm of it. Texting we'll talk my about it next right time. Now. We'll talk about it Which next time. Which means that we probably should go see it again this next week. Hey, you're the one who doesn't want to. I know. But if we're going to review it, I want it fresh. Like, I want to, like, take notes or something. Okay. We'll talk about Hereditary. So, if you want to know about Hereditary... We'll spoil the crap out of it when we do talk about it. So, yeah. yeah. So, be prepared. Go see it if you want Here's the thing. Before you go see it, watch a trailer. Trailers don't help. Look up what it's rated for. I didn't watch a trailer. And see if if you'd be down for it. Because it gets a little (laughs) rough at the end. Yeah. Tra- well, the trailers don't give away what's going to happen in the end at all. That's fair. Stop talking about it. Okay, Sin yeah, we're done. We're not. So all right. Um, yeah. So then again, anybody out there, if you liked The Witch, you'll love Hereditary. If you didn't like The Witch, 
you might still love Hereditary. I don't know. It's a great movie. Um, Can I make a plug for a TV show? Sure. <laughs> well, just after watching Children of Men, it reminds me in a few ways of The Handmaid's Tale. So if you like TV shows and you like stories about <laughs> infertility. <laughs> Is that a new genre? <laughs> <laughs> about people the world not being able to have babies then go watch the handmaid's tale because it's also really good and remind the um, children of men reminded me of it a lot so i kind of can't stand tv shows right now for some reason i don't know why but i I, love them (laughs) i do walk in sometimes on becca watching the handmaid's tale and it looks very good so yes that's all i know this is a movie podcast but it's just a general good media podcast there TV show, Handmaid's Tale, Hulu, watch it. <laughs> there you go. All right, guys. Anything else we want to talk about? No. Mm-mm. All right. I'm good. Um, as always, if you got something you want us to watch and talk about, we'll do it. Just let us know. Let us know in the comments below. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is Andrew. Becca. Sid. The Signing good Sid. Off. The good Sid. Yes. All right, people. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.